Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. Otewa, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent Dolly's Rugby Podcast. I will slattery delighted to be joined, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. And we're also welcoming back Rory O'Connor to the show after a couple of weeks off. And Rory, we might go to you first. Obviously, Ireland-England this week, plenty to talk about over the next hour or so. But the big news today was Johnny Sexton signing that new contract, taking him up to the 2023 World Cup. And also the news that he's planning on retiring after that tournament. This was not two massive shocks in and of itself, but at the same time, you know, pretty noteworthy and kind of puts the focus even more on that tournament in France next year. Yeah, actually 18 months today, I, I was just checking the kind of the fixtures and today is the day. It's like on, they have a countdown on the top of the website and it says one year, six months and like 30, 30 minutes. So we're at that point now where, you know, four years ago, Eddie Jones pivoted towards the World Cup at this point. You know, Razzy Rasmus was getting his feet under the table. This is around the time where Steve Hansen made his big changes going into the World Cup. So this is when... We're in the running now. I think there's 14, 13 or 14 games before the, the last World Cup and um, warm. Oh, sorry, the first World Cup warm up in, in 2023. So, yeah, it, it was important to get that business done. If he's going to be the main man next year, you got to kind of lock him down and make sure he's on board. It was never really in doubt. Um, it was still surprising to hear him say he's definitely finishing after last after next year, even though it's completely understandable and, and was always on the cards. It's still it's now down in black and white. He's now got the countdown clock on. He's got 18 months left as a professional player. That brings its own challenges. Even today, he he was doing his press conference, and at the start, he said it was a real relief to say I'm I'm finishing. And by the end, he was like, God, maybe I shouldn't have done this this week because it's England week, and we've just been talking about me. Because invariably, you know, once he announced that, people were asking him a lot of questions about it. It's a big. It's it's a, it's a you know, it's not a big surprise. We Andy Farrell has has hitched himself to the Johnny Sexton wagon. You know, he's still the best out half in the country as as of right now. The risk has always been whether he'll still be the best out half or whether be his body will hold up for that long. But like this decision was made a long time ago. We've all seen it coming. We've discussed it on this podcast many times, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. And for better or worse, uh, it's where we are. It's what Andy Farrell's, you know, it's basically what his whole regime will come down to is whether this, this you know, it's a relative gamble because you're backing, backing a 38-year-old to kind of perform at a World Cup where he's going to have to play South Africa, Scotland, quarterfinal, semifinal, final over the course of five or six weeks. Um, big ask, but Sexton is, is kind of defying the odds all at, at the moment at the age of 36 in the Six Nations. He's likely to come back into the team against England this week. It's really no argument. There's no one there who's who's coming out to kick him out of the team in the way that he did to, to try, you know, he tried to do it with Ron O'Gara, what was it, 12, 13 years ago now. So, um. Yeah, like it's getting your business done uh, in a timely fashion. 
you know, it's no surprise, but it is significant nonetheless. Yeah, Lucas, you know, Rudd kind of touched on a few parts of it there. Obviously, you know, Johnny Sexton is in as good a form as he's been in a long time, you know, when he's when he's been fit and when he's been firing, like, you know, the, the, the New Zealand game, even the opening game against Wales. But then I suppose the French, the week of the French game kind of put the microscope on what could go wrong. You know, him just pulling up and training like he has at the World Cup as previous and maybe putting the team in a bit of a bind. When he's fit and when he's still playing, he looks as good as he's done in a long time. But it's just maybe keeping him on the field. That's the gamble that Rudd is kind of alluding to. Yeah, look, at that gamble becomes larger the closer we come to, uh, to, to World Cup time. I think it'll become very magnified then. I think, um, you know, as Rudd said he's still head and shoulders above our next in line and uh, look off the back of that. Look, I just don't think he can, we just don't have enough of a player pool to be able to like in, in the, in the probably the most important position on the pitch to be able to say, well, our best player, I'm sorry, you know, we don't like your age profile. Um, you know, particularly when there's that much of a difference between him and the next guy, we just don't, we can, we, I don't think we've got the ability to do that. So um, look, he's the guy who's probably, uh, um, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, Joey Carberry's or whoever it is, it'll be their job to try and oust him now in in um, over, the, over the course of the next 18 months. Um, I think they will get, like, I mean, look, he's never been, like, he's kind of a tight muscle guy anyway. He's a guy who has struggled with, you know, calves and hamstrings and groins and stuff over the course of his career. He does get a lot of soft tissue injury. So, look, it might not actually be an age thing. It might just be a him thing. Um, I'd suggest I'd probably think it is a combination of both. Um, and look, there is risks there. The team then off the back of that, you know, Andy, Andy Farrell has to ask himself, you know, a very serious question, I think, over the summer as to what he does there and how he manages this concentration risk he has in his most important position because the team doesn't fire without, you know, the, the 10 playing well, regardless of how well everyone else is playing. You know, you need someone who's confident there, uh, who has the respect of the team um, and who's played some top-class rugby there. So, uh, I think he needs to play. He might need to have a really have a, a real think about those summer tests about who he's going to play in there. Um, you know, because I think Johnny can just see, he, you know, he fits seamlessly back into the team anyway. He's so experienced at this stage. So look, it's, it's, it's been a, a wonderful career. Um, obviously he's still a bit to go. We're not going to be writing any uh, kind of eulogies yet or whatever, but he's um, yeah. Like it's, it's from, from the position you get in where he is now from where he started, um, I don't think you could have called it. So um, unbelievable career. Hopefully he finishes on a high. Yeah, just one thing you mentioned, Rhoda, you know, about you kind of this weekend, you're saying he'll come back into the team, you think, because no one's really come and ousted him the way he might have done. You know, is there a point in the World Cup cycle where you almost don't want him to be ousted because there won't be sufficient time then for whoever that is to, to, to play a lot with this team? Like, you know, obviously if it happened right now, the whoever it is, Joey Carberry would have 18 months New Zealand series, autumn, Six Nations. But if it happens midway through the Six Nations next year, very little time then. I mean, Richie Mwanga didn't get the All Blacks number 10 jersey until the year of the World Cup last time out. And he did a pretty good job against Ireland in that quarterfinal. Like, he wasn't the reason they lost to England in the semi. Yeah, but they they were back-to-back world champions at the same time and they didn't win the World Cup. They put their best player, who's their 10 at 15. Like... Well, I mean, that's I mean, a bad it, mistake. Like, it was a, it was a terrible but mistake. But, but then, yeah, well, I mean, Mwanga have been ripping it up. It depends on which... a mistake picking their best 10 at 12. Like, <sighs> it's Barrett the best 10. I mean, that's a, it's a different debate. But, like, they, they, they went and they made that change then. You know, Barrett missed a lot of goal kicks against the Lions. You know, Mwanga you know, was in incredible form with the Crusaders. 
they went with him, they backed him, and and it, and it worked out for them. I'm not saying like, Did, would you say that worked out for them? Could you I say don't that think, worked out for them? I don't think it, I don't think it was the reason they lost England in the semi final. I'd like there Moongo was pretty good in, in that World Cup. He's very good against Ireland. Yeah, whereas England's defense um, mauled them. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but, like, I don't know if it was right or wrong, but I, I'm just saying that like there is precedent for like England. Are, are that's investing. not a good example to cite, surely. In New Zealand out in the semi final. That's not success. It's further, it's further than Ireland got, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess what, what like, I, I think you're right. I think there is there is definitely, like, you know, a point. I mean, I'm looking at, say, Jack Crowley and Ben Healy. I wrote, I'm writing about in tomorrow's paper. You know, Jack Crowley and Ben Healy are coming up strong on the outside, but it's just that bit too late in the cycle for them to really come in. Like, they've never been in an Ireland camp, really. Like, can you really predict them coming in in that final year? Like, if one first job, obviously, get ahead of Joey Carberry, get ahead of each other, get ahead of Joey Carberry and Munster, play in the European knockouts, play well, get on the plane to New Zealand. If you get on the plane to New Zealand, maybe you have a chance. You're relying on Sexton getting injured, I think, between now and the World Cup, and you coming in and shooting the lights out and being brilliant. Really, no, I don't. I think you're right, Will. I mean, I cited that example, but I don't think it's going to happen at the same time. Um, I mean, Sexton must be driven mad by all this because, in fairness to him, he's actually quite durable, and it's the others who are breaking down. I mean, Carberry's missed two years. Harry Burns injured again. You know, like, like, you know, there's there's younger guys who are actually breaking down more than he is, and he's the one who's everyone's worried about his body. I know it's an age thing, but, um, yeah, I think I I can see that point. I think like it probably is too late in the cycle now. I think you know Farrell made this decision a while ago. You know, when they lost the first or when they lost the first two games last year. That was maybe a chance to go, right, Johnny, look, you're our guy for the World Cup, but I want to see other options. But at the time, it was Billy Burns, Harry Byrne, and, and Ross Byrne were his options, and he didn't trust any of them to do it. He didn't have Carberry fit. Maybe that was that was the moment. Whereas now, like, there's still a title available. There's still a triple crown available. And, like, we're not at the point yet where Irish rugby can turn a nose up and win in silverware in the Six Nations. It's still really important. Plus the prize money that's on offer. you got to go with Sexton. And... You know, Carberry had his chance and, you know, he was good in, 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 in Paris. You know, Sexton was better than him against Italy. And, you know, you, you, you I think for these competitive, I think for Twickenham, we haven't again got to the point where we can start rotating for Twickenham. Like Twickenham is too important. It's too big a fixture. Only 14 Irish teams have ever won at Twickenham. Like, we, you know, history tells you that you have to take this game seriously. And it's a game worth winning. You know, I think in your World Cup cycle, you want to tick off certain achievements and a big away win against England for this team, I think will be pretty important to their development. It's a long-winded answer to your question, Will. Like, I think, I think ultimately, yes, it's too late in the cycle to, to blood a new player. But if one of those players comes in and starts big games for, say, Munster, because I think they're the most likely at this stage, because Harry Byrne just isn't getting ahead of his brother or Sexton at Leinster, and none of the others are really there, maybe Carty, but probably not. So if Crowley, say, starts, you know, if Car- Carberry gets injured, Crowley or Healy comes in, leads Munster, Munster to a Heineken Cup in the URC double, gets on the plane and is shooting the line, you know, putting pressure on on that plane, then maybe he has a chance. But you're talking about, like, a lot of big ifs there. At the moment, it's hard to see that. Yeah, for me, I'm really interested to see what Andy Farrell does in the summer series against the All Blacks. Because on one hand, it's a perfect time maybe to look at other options. But on the other hand... Got a three-test series in New Zealand. Like, I really would love them to bring their full team and, and to see, you know, what they could he do will. down there. He has to. Like, we never, we never, never, like, it's another unchecked box. We've never won in New Zealand, never beaten New Zealand in New Zealand, you know. And, and like, think of the 2003 World Cup win for England. Like, winning in New Zealand was another big moment for them. And they have two, they're going to have two midweek games against the Maori. So he'll bring a bigger squad and he'll play, you know, he might give someone like a Crowley or a Healy or a Harry Byrne 
a big start then or just give Carberry time against good opposition in those midweek games. And maybe he starts Carberry in one of the three games. Can Sexton back it up three times in a week on tour in New Zealand at the end of the long season? Probably not. But he's going to take that tour seriously. He wants he wants at least a test win in New Zealand. He's probably looking at a series win. He's beaten them already, you know. So, like, that's what he's going to be gunning for. And you don't, you know, he's not going to rest his captain for that. Sexton won't let him. Yeah. I know we're talking that's about so wrong. Is that not so wrong? A player well, should like, never have that more like... Ah, yeah. your captain, though. You, 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 I mean, can you imagine Brian O'Driscoll? I mean, you yeah. know, a th- three-test series in New Zealand or, you know, a year out from World Cup and, and he's... And you're, like, whatever about managing him his minutes over the course of the three weeks, you I know... I don't think they need a win over there. I don't think they need anything over there. I, I Like, look at South Africa really? before the last World Cup. It could be very damaging, though. We've think had, of that 60-0, Luke. Uh, like, that 60 is so destabilizing. We've had brilliant... Um, you know, uh, you know, years coming into the World Cup and still not produce anything. Like there's just however you show up at that period. There's a lot of lot of factors that you come in that you can't really quantify. I think yeah, you might get a bit of confidence from it, but like to my mind, that we've we've proven time and again that it actually doesn't matter how we come into this thing. Um, what's most important is that you know we come into it with more options than just one really key guy in our most important position. Like, that's that's way more important than this. Like, like look at South Africa before the last World Cup. Like, they couldn't buy, they couldn't get a win. Like, there's no... Ugh, the form guide, I think, goes out the window when you're there. Like, how you tour, how the team comes together, who's injured from the season before, who's tired, who's who's the coach? How, is the coach's ideas, like, old? Like, it, what, what are... Is he, you know, is he a bad selector, good selector? Is he selecting on form? Has he got enough players to pick from? By, by giving them uh, enough, um, you know, enough playing time in, in, the, in the couple of years before. Like, and that last question, I think, is probably the, the, the one in my mind that's really been left unanswered in that key position. Like, that's, I think that's a way bigger, uh, bigger issue to, to resolve than getting a win in New Zealand. Like, I, I wouldn't be overly positive about getting one down there, uh, regardless of what position they're in. Uh, they, I, I, I could see us losing that 3-0, and I won't have any impact on how we do, do with the World Cup, I think. I think it could be really damaged. Like, I know it's England week and we probably shouldn't be talking about the summer tour, but like, I think if you go to New Zealand and you don't bring your best players and you go half cocked to New Zealand, like, you That's could get, position, it though. could be a psychologically damaging, position. but he's, he's not just like he, and this is, this is the problem. This is the Sexton problem because we've hitched everything to him. He's the captain. He's the spiritual leader. He's the most forceful player. And like James Ryan said in November that when Johnny's not there, training drops about five levels, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing him. He didn't say five levels, but it's, there's a significant drop in standards. When Johnny's not there, like that's your vice captain saying that when the captain's not there, who's like this thirty-six-year-old player, like, that's not good. And maybe, maybe you do need, but I think it's gonna. It's the only way he doesn't go to New Zealand if he's, is if he's injured. If you need a fellow player to give out to you for your own training standards, I like you need to have a proper look at yourself. Like that's yeah. that's pathetic. Yeah, but this is the this is the, rugby players. This is the sex and issue. This is the whole crux of the thing. They've basically become so reliant on him that um, I can't believe I, even those words came out of his mouth. Like, yeah. I'd be embarrassed to say that, yeah. honestly. Jesus, sorry, but maybe we are in a bigger hole than I thought. Jesus. <laughs> well, we might pack the Zealand discussion for later on in the year. Sorry, sorry, but it's it's an interesting still, moment. We've we've very Sexton. It's a very natural. It's it's a natural line to go down when you talk about Sexton. I think because that tour, it, that tour is important. I think I, I, it's very important that they do well down there. Um, a win, I, a win's hard there, bloody hard down there. But um, I think it'd be nice to get some. Like you can blood someone in an atmosphere that like a brilliant rugby environment down there, high pressure. Um, you know, 
and I, and I just feel worried about that position at 10. But anyway, sorry to, to drag on that point. So, I'm already really excited for the summer, and I know we've got <laughs> four months of rugby to get through and some big games, but God, that New Zealand Test Series is going to be absolutely mm. bumper. But for the England game, Rudd, you know, you've already sat in, I think, on the Eddie Jones press conference early in the week. Some really interesting quotes I thought about where he thinks his team is at, what he thinks, where he thinks Ireland are at. And the World Cup was mentioned quite a bit that he thinks that Ireland have maybe an advantage now. But then come the World Cup, everyone is a level playing field. I think he was pushing that line before 2019 as well. And, and it certainly suited them that year. Um, what's the mood like, do you think, this week, you know, between the two teams? Like, you know, the way you've sat in a couple of press conferences. How are you feeling about everything at the moment? Yeah, well, I've been off for a couple of weeks, so it's really interesting coming back in cold after kind of you know I've been covering you know following the coverage from 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 afar, which is unusual for me. Um, I think that like the mood in England is I think like there's obviously a bit of rancor about the fact that they're not playing particularly well, but there's a bit of a sense that it's going to click at some stage, and and maybe that they're they're trucking a bit like Ireland were trucking this time last year. And it all came out in that big performance against England in that final game. And that was actually, Joan said yesterday, the catalyst for him to go and change his team. He basically decided after that game that the team that got to the semi-final, or sorry, to the final in 19 was finished, that I have to build a new team. Now, it's kind of amazing to hear the, I think he's the highest paid coach in the world, certainly one of the top two of the most well-resourced, highest playing numbers, nation, rugby nation in the world playing the poor mouth about, you know, Ireland having better continuity and a better rugby system. I mean, how, you know, he finished fifth last year and if he does lose, if you know, he's playing the poor mouth and saying Ireland are favourites. If they lose again to them on Saturday and finish kind of third, fourth or fifth, like that's compl- that should be, surely should be completely unacceptable to the RFU, to the people who pay extortionate money to go watch matches in Twickenham and to the English players who are, like, like we, we've just been talking about the World Cup, but like you got to be winning silverware along the way. Like, you know, you're not, it's not just about one thing every four years. So I find it kind of remarkable that Eddie Jones is allowed basically sack off a couple of Six Nations for the, for the goal of a World Cup. And he's probably out the gap after it. So if it doesn't work out, he'll never pay the price for it. It just seems a bit weird. Um, his record, do, do, like, you do know, you think anyone, do you think anyone challenges him in their, no, uh, roads? what's your sense of it? No. And like, I'm obviously not that close to the English setup, but I do talk to some of my English colleagues and, I mean, if you look at the the turnover in staff over the years, the way he treats people, you know, that piece that Onslaught wrote in the Times a couple of months ago that was obviously disputed by Jones and John Mitchell said some of it. But I, I know Onslaught pretty well and I, I respect him highly as a journalist. I don't think he would have put pen to paper on a lot of that, any of that stuff if he didn't have good sources. He, you know, he was he was talking to people. There's definitely a sense that while some of the players are incredibly loyal to him, um, he is very difficult to work with and work for. And... Yeah, I think there's been regime change above him. I mean, Conor O'Shea is is effectively his boss, but I think they're more of they're more colleagues than a boss, you know, a, a boss worker relationship. You know what I mean? Like, so I think Jones is very. It's a bit like what we were talking about earlier with Sexton being you know being powerful enough to say you're not you're not dropping me for this this tour. I mean, Eddie Jones. I don't think there's anyone who can hold him really accountable in there. Um, there was a review after last year's Six Nations. I mean, if they finish fourth or fifth again, do they do another review or is, is that beyond the pale? I don't know. But I do actually sense, I mean, I'm kind of doing England down here. I do think there's a performance coming from them. And from an Ireland point of view, you've got to be worried about the fact that Andrew Porter is missing and Ronan Keller is missing. I mean, what do we talk about coming into this tournament as Irish, Ireland's greatest strength? It was that front row. Now two thirds of them are gone. I know Sheen's a really good player, but he probably isn't the scrummager that Ronan Kelleher is. England will go after that. And you've Keen Healy coming in, probably or Dave Coyne, probably Keen Healy, who like a stalwart, an excellent player who's who's had a great career, but he doesn't have like he like 
2013, he ran over Man Anu. Like, that's nine years ago now. That's what Andrew Porter does these days. Keane can do a lot of things, but he's not the, the explosive, dynamic player that he was. You're just going further into your depth chart. So I'm a bit concerned about that. I'm a bit concerned about the kind of issues that came to the four in Paris resurfacing. England are very good on the defensive breakdown. They can go after Ireland in that way. If they can slow Ireland down, can they get going? At the same time, Sexton's back, and that, that is a big factor for Ireland. It hasn't been a happy hunting ground for Ireland the last couple of years, Twickenham. It'd be a big, big result for this team. They were fairly mentally destroyed by this English team in 2019, you know, the, between the, the game in Dublin, the World Cup warm-up that went disastrously wrong. The, they went back to Twickenham for the Six Nations. You know, Johnny Sexton had one of his worst games for Ireland. It was a disaster. And then in the Autumn Nations Cup in the empty stadium, England were just, it was almost like men, men against boys. That's a long time ago now, but still I think a big psychological barrier in this team to go and win a big game away from home. So there's a lot going on for Ireland this week and, and um, they're definitely not as... Like I backed them to be France a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't be as confident going into this game based on what we've seen the last while and my sense that England maybe are going to come together in this game. Yeah, Luke, like, what, what's your do you reading? Was, like, do you think it was silly to announce the Sexton thing, uh, Will? Sorry, Will. Do, do, what do you think about... Like, would you have announced the, the, the Sexton thing this week? Or would you have just waited till after Six Nations? I don't have a strong... I don't, I, I don't have a strong opinion on it, to be honest. I don't think it makes a massive I think it makes like, it all about him this week. Like, I, I was surprised about it. I was. I thought they were crazy to do that. I thought I was like, why Why is it even a topic of conversation? We're not even Yeah, like, as Rudd said, he really. mentioned it himself, didn't he, Rudd? Like, he... Like... Yeah, at the start, he said... Um... You know, it's a relief to get it, a relief to get this out there that people stop asking about it. And then by the end, he was like, "God, maybe this was a mistake." Like that, I think it was only agreed fully. Like they obviously had, I think they had agreement in principle before, but I think they actually signed it last week. Um, I mean, last week was a quiet week. They could have just. Well, I don't have the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I suppose they didn't probably didn't want to overshadow the women's thing. They would have been accused of of um, you know, a bit of kind of PR, you know, messing if they put it out the same day, but um. Yeah, I, I, I can see why you would wait till the week after the Six Nations or you wait till you lose to England and then give everyone good news on the Monday. Like, you know, there's, there's kind of time and a place. But, um, <laughs> or terrible I don't news. think internally it's going <laughs> to... We're stuck with think, the guy who couldn't win in Twickenham. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But I don't think internally... Like, you've been in the dressing rooms. Like, does this squad... Re- does this stuff really impact how, the way players are going to play on a Saturday? You know, the odd times, some, you know, sometimes it might. But, like, I remember going to Paul O'Connell... Uh, sorry, the press conference after Paul O'Connell... Um, had gotten injured and like we had this really morose press conference with Rob Kearney about like it was basically the end of Paul O'Connell's career. Meanwhile, you guys were outside playing golf at Rory Mac, infamously playing golf at Rory McElroy and having a great time and no one seemed to care that you know things had gone over. So like you know what you a get, clip like, what a clip that was. Yeah I know I didn't mean to bring that up Luke but, but you know the um but the like you know these things often you know we make more of them in the media than, than actually you know th- does anyone in there really care that Johnny signed the new contract for you know is, is going to distract them today they're probably happy about it but be, unless you're Joey Carby well, apparently they can't train apparently they can't train even at the same level without him so yeah maybe I don't know maybe the new crop are different um yeah I don't, like it's a it's a funny one like I I I was a bit surprised I saw that today I, I just thought like we're now like sorry maybe it's just stupid like silly me like but we're talking about new zealand in the summer <laughs> like and like so guys are going to be like so there's no way that this isn't going to be a massive topic of conversation the papers the lads are not going to be immune to that they're those papers are in the team room every day so they'll be they will be reading no matter what they say to you they'll but be like, reading at the same time like it was announcing a contract extension that everyone knew was happening like did anyone think he was going to turn around and say lads i'm retiring at the end of the season like, that would have been a huge a, distraction what if it's if like, it's that would have been the distraction why not just do it after i just think just yeah do it well, after. Shouldn't I don't disagree with conversation like, this week. As but like, look, said, I don't know. Yeah, look, coming into this one though, like it's, I just, I'm a little bit nervous about this one too because I feel like England, 
the longer thing, the longer time goes on. Like I watching them at the, at the, over, over the last while, I feel like they're a team that's lost for an identity, identity and a strategy. I'm a little bit concerned that the longer it goes on, like I think I do think like whatever we say about Jones, he's still a good coach. They still have excellent players, um, albeit some big changes in some big positions um, of late. But like I, I can see them figuring it out. And like at home to Ireland under pressure against an Irish team that is very, very good and has played well. But you know, I had a great November internationals, uh, patchy start to Six Nations. But this, I don't know. I just feel like it's a distraction in a week that's I'm worried about. So I, I don't know. I, Maybe maybe I'm just being a bit pessimistic about the whole thing and 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 blowing it up more than than it should. But in just in terms of I suppose the game itself, look like you know, Rudd kind of touched on a few things. He, he's maybe a little concerned about like what areas are you maybe slightly worried about, or or are there areas you actually are pretty bullish about that Ireland can maybe go after England in in the flip side. Well, I think if I'm looking at it, like I, I think England have kicked so poorly. Um, I, I think they're that's sorry that game that, that's coming together a little bit um, since the Welsh game, but at the start they, I just feel like they're a little bit lost. For as I said, alluded to it earlier on, strategy wise, their kicking game isn't great. Um, you know, I think we've got a pretty good back three. I think we can, you know, if the game is loose, I think that'll suit us. I think we play, you know, we've got to play a nice fast game plan. Um, I think our, our pack of forwards are very mobile. My concern is that it probably doesn't pan out that way in Twickenham. That it's a bit more of an arm wrestle. You know, as you said, you're, we're missing Porter. I mean, his stats are off the charts, actually, uh, for, for, for a prop, um, you know, in terms of, I think it's Rook's hit. He's loads of Rook's hits, loads of tackles. Uh, obviously, very good at the set piece as well. Um, you might gain something in the set piece from Keane Healy, to be honest, but I think Porter is overall at this stage a loss to us. Um, I like Sheehan, but that's a bit of a loss. So I'm just a little bit concerned about that. I think they might, if it's a bit of an arm wrestler, we're missing one or two guys. And, um, you know, if they get their defense right and it's claustrophobic like it can be, um, you know, we didn't look like we were able to play very well against that, um, you know, in, in Paris. We really struggled with that. I thought we looked like our, our timing was off. We looked like we had lots of handling errors. And we saw lots of that, last, you know, two weeks ago against Italy as well. So my concern is that they get those things right, they get their kicking strategy together, and all of a sudden it's a really claustrophobic Twickenham. And, you know, we haven't fired yet. So, look, maybe Sexton is the difference maker in that. And we do have a very fluid game plan, um, and we can execute on what we executed in November. And that's the positive spin on it. But I'd be more worried the other, the other side of, of it is, is probably more likely, um, and that they start getting things right. Uh, and that would be my concern, Will. I think that's... You know, it, it's a funny one because I, I agree with the, both of you. Like I do have kind of a, a bad feeling about the weekend, but then I look at it and I, I look at the England team sheet and I've seen them play over the course of six stations and last autumn as well. I wasn't impressed with them either. And, I'm, and I, I don't like the look of their team either. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm basing it on. It's almost like, I don't know. I just don't maybe trust this team yet to go away from home to one of the big venues and take a scab because there's lots of question marks about this England team. You know, Marcus Smith is still finding his feet at international level. There's been massive upheaval, you know, in terms of both injury and then, as Rory said, Eddie Jones decided to change a lot of his team after the Ireland defeat last year. They were fortunate to beat South Africa in the autumn. That was a big win, but they were they were pretty fortunate in that game. Like, when I look at the, their team, I think that on paper, Ireland should be the favourites and they probably should be winning this game in some ways. Yeah, I, 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 like, I, I still haven't decided who I'm tipping in this game. I'm not writing Ireland off by any manner of means, but I mean... I do think Quickenham is a factor. Like, I think you can't discount the fact that this is a venue. Like, you know, Ireland have only won there five times in my entire lifetime. You know, like, it's 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 not, it, it, and it's a horrible, when it goes against you over there, it goes bad. 
you know that they, they it's a bit like paris you know in in that way and I, I like i know these are kind of you know intangible things that i'm talking about but home advantage really does count in this tournament particularly when the crowds are back and england are very comfortable at twickenham i mean they beat south africa there not very impressively but they did beat south africa there only a couple of months ago and for all that ireland beat new zealand very impressively, South Africa are probably a better team or a more troublesome team than than New Zealand are at, at the moment. So, you know, they, they they are very much, you know, they're not an impressive looking England team on paper. You're right, but they're still England and they're still at home in Twickenham and they're not as bad as some of the teams that were there in the in the two thousands. They've got big upside. They've got some exciting players who we just don't know if they're quite international quality yet. But they're more than capable, I think, of putting together a performance that's good enough to beat anyone in this tournament um, and Ireland's included in that at the same time if Ireland go over get it right we could be looking at a 2018 all over again because we're at that stage in the cycle Ireland have a lot going well for them at the moment they've players playing really well they've you know they've got good set piece good options off the bench you know this could go very well for them and you know there are we have probably you know more than any generation we've experienced more good days over there than anyone else but we still have had days when it's got away from us we've had a couple of them very recently um and do, do you think, can I ask you something, Roots? do you think their Ireland team is playing well at the moment, yeah? Do you think we've lots of players playing well? It's very hard to gauge, isn't it? Because they were playing yeah. very well up until the Wales game. <laughs> you know, and like the 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 some of the, the European performances are very good in the, for the provinces, albeit it was a very disrupted Christmas. So it's very hard yeah. to gauge form this year. I think by the time actually we get past, you know, into, like the next couple of weeks are really exciting in terms of mm. coming out of the Six Nations to be like really big games coming up for the provinces. But this has been so disjointed. I'm not sure about that. Um, like Wales, yeah, they played well against Wales. But Wales were terrible. You know, like they, they did play well against Wales. But well, they Wales beat were... Scotland the following week and only lost. I know. I don't. I thought they were rabble that day, but like they they have rebounded well. Like, no, I think, but I think they had a bounce back on that. Yeah, like I think they played really well in November. I think November was really, really impressive, and that's probably what I base a lot of my faith in this Irish team on. I thought Paris, for all that it was a defeat, and France were the better team. I thought they showed incredible spirit, some really good guile to stay in the game. They were missing the player we've been talking about for 10 minutes at the start of the podcast, and they still stayed in the fight right till the end. That was impressive in its own way, albeit it, it raised serious issues about the team as as a whole. But like France are probably the best team in the world. This will be, this is the, the like, I think we'll know a lot more about this team after Saturday. Um, and I And I don't think it's unfair to wonder if they're playing if they're playing that well. I mean, Italy was not an impressive day, even though they, they won it well. I think they were kind of befuddled by the 13 men thing. I think they would have preferred to play against 15 for 80 minutes, to be honest. Or maybe, you know, it, it was just, it kind of scrambled their minds a little bit and it was impossible to read anything into that game. So it's kind of hard to know. This whole year has been weird. Um, it has, it's funny, like, I, I, I'm not convinced. I don't, I think I'm, as, as much as I'm waiting for England to play well in this, in this, I'm probably waiting for England to play well for quite a while since oh, since November, really, right? Um, I'm waiting for Ireland to, to get to get started in the Six Nations. I think we've 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 been a bit patchy. We've had some we have some good some good patches and bad ones, you know. I think uh, the ball handling is not what it was in November. Uh, lots of drop balls, lots of silly offloads. Um, you know, kind of careless enough at rook time. I think. Um, they're having issues with their timing and their depth. Now that might be again because Johnny's, uh, you know, hasn't really been around as much. But um, look, I'm I'm waiting for them. Just as I'm waiting for England, maybe to to, to figure things out and play well. And it's probably more likely, as you alluded to, at home uh, because just in rugby, the physical stuff is so important. And being at home, you know, that's a minimum delivery, I think, isn't it? Um, but yeah, Ireland, I think, are, are in the same boat. Like, and if they get it right, like they did in November. 
like they certainly can. As Will said, that team she looks pretty impressive, doesn't it? And if they do play well, like we know they can, because it's so recent that those those, those performances are, um, you know, then they 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 were they're well capable of beating this England team. They are. I'm just a little concerned that they haven't fired yet. Uh, I'm not sure if they're actually playing that well. And a few guys who were playing brilliantly in November, you know, have been a little bit patchy. I think so. Um, I think you're right. That's I think the the, the one thing I really or sorry what what I agree with most what you said there is we'll know a lot more about where Ireland are after the weekend because I haven't seen them get started yet. I'm not sure. I I, I feel like I haven't really bought into what's going on. I at the start of the thing at the start of the competition I was thinking wow we really know how we're going to play and I think we can deliver this every week. But that hasn't been the case so far. So, um, look, it's time to step up, isn't it? Mm. And just in terms of the Twickenham piece, I think, what, this is the 23rd season of the Six Nations. They've only ever lost eight home games in that time. Four of them were against Ireland, though, so that gives us some hope that maybe Ireland are the most likely team to, to do it in the, in, the, in the near future. Like, Rod, who is this a more important game for, do you think? You know, obviously, we are talking there how Ireland, it's a massive game for their development, going away from home, exercising some of the demons of the last few Twickenham defeats. Flip side is, if England lose another game, Eddie Jones could be out on his ear. But if, even if not, it raises massive questions about the direction he's trying to take the team. So for you, which one is, is it more important for them or for us? Probably marginally more important for England. But I, you know, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's very, very important to Ireland at the same time. Like if Ireland lose today, sorry, lose on Saturday and then beat Scotland, they've won their three home games and lost away to England and France. It's a pretty, you know, it's it's a it's pretty average year for them. Like it's it's kind of, you know, is a par probably. You kind of wanted them to pick off at least one of those two away wins. Um, if England lose at home to Ireland, having lost in Scotland, that's pretty disastrous for them. So I think, um, like you know, depending on what they do in Paris, but you know, it's just another lost year for them. Like they seem to be, you know, Eddie Jones says they can kind of you know get away with it, but I don't know how patient they're going to be towards that Andy Farrell said he wants to win this tournament you know this is this is how you win the tournament you got to go in in these years where you go to England and France you've got to win you got to get a bonus point in one of them if you're not going to get a slam you got a bonus point in one of them you got to win you got to win the other one and um it's a massive moment in this Irish team's development I mean they've talked all week one thing I've picked up on is that they've talked a lot about the fact that they were a bit spooked by a lot of the younger players had never played in a full stadium away from home against England or France or, or, or in an intimidating environment like that. And, you know, they haven't been to the Millennium Stadium either, you know, when it's been full. So that's a new experience for them. And I think Paris spooked them a little bit in that first half and the French are on a roll and like are obviously unbelievably powerful and all the stuff that you guys would have talked about over the last couple of weeks. That's an experience that they've now banked and now they're trying to prove that they, they've learned from that experience. Um, and twi- no better place to do it than 4.45 in, in, in Twickenham when Swing Low is, is, is rolling down off those green seats. But um, if they can pick this off as a, as a win and go into the final game, final weekend with a chance of winning um, a, a triple crown at least, it's, it's a step for the team. It's not the big step they wanted to take, but it is a step. But to answer your question, I think, yeah, it's more damaging to England if they lose than it is to Ireland. It's, it's a disappointment for Ireland if they lose. It probably makes us all reassess where we thought they were but it's not unless it's a hammering, and um, you know, which I, I don't think it will be. You know, it's 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 a uh, it's a setback without being a disaster. But for England, like another another big defeat to a, a Celtic nation is not good for them. They they shouldn't be losing this regularly to the Celtic their Celtic rivals. You know. Yeah, and Luke, one of the things Rod mentioned there about how maybe some of the players were a bit taken aback or or overawed by that atmosphere in Paris, because that's what it came across a bit like to me. And that, that's kind of one of the things, that intangible part about going to a big away venue that is kind of sticking in my mind when it comes to tipping them to win this weekend is that I just feel like 
I, I don't know if, if Twickenham will get the better of them or not because it's been so long over COVID playing behind closed doors to go back into these cauldrons. It is a bit of a shock to the system. And Ireland, as you know, Rud has mentioned, it hasn't been a good place to go. And I, I'm just a bit worried that it's the Twickenham atmosphere. They won't they won't be able to deliver what they've been delivering at the Aviva Stadium where they're so used to playing there, you know, very regularly. Yeah, no, it's a, it's one of those things from COVID, isn't it? It's like, um, you know, uh, kind of a residual thing that we hadn't even considered, I don't think, really, or I certainly hadn't anyway, before heading over to Paris. Um, and there was a few kind of players who we've, expe- you know, come to expect, you know, very consistently high levels of performance that probably didn't deliver that over there. And, I think it was only afterwards we were going to say, well, that was actually that guy's first match in a full stadium in the Six Nations, you know? So there is certainly a different atmosphere there. There's different pressures with that. Um, I'd expect them to be able to move on quickly uh, from that experience, get the learnings and apply them and tweak them. I think they're good. You know, if you're a good player without crowds there, you're still a good player with crowds there, I think. Um, you know, what you're practicing every day uh, is generally what you deliver on, on, on the pitch. Um, you know, whether there's crowds or not. So I expect them to go uh, and deliver a big performance because I think Ireland, you know, the more I think about it and, and you've actually kind of swayed me on this, Will, the more I think they, they should win this. Of course, I'm nervous going over to, to Twickenham, but um, the crowd shouldn't really be a factor in this. They should be looking to suck the energy out of the place straight away, hold on to the ball for, for long periods of time, wear this English team down um, because I think they're capable of doing that. And... Um, yeah, certainly not going to be without its challenges. England are a home team. Um, you know, they, they'll, they'll be playing with pride. They've got some excellent rugby players themselves. And they'll be kind of, they have a few guys who are good on the ground as well, which I think will make it, make it challenging. But I think given how Ireland have played so far, but even against Italy, they lost a lot of ball on the deck. Like, I think that'll be a real focus for them this week. And I expect them to deliver a very, very, um, you know, high, high level of performance around the rook, particularly. I think once they do that, the game flows. And, with Johnny there, hopefully, I think, um, or not hopefully, but with Johnny there, I think that the game plan will run a bit smoother. And, just, um, go on, sorry. No, I was just going to ask you, like, I mean, we're making a big deal of it, but like, you know, I've just quickly checked your ESPN. I know you were there in, in 08, the Danny Cipriani game when, when things got on top of <laughs> Ireland. And, but like that, like that was one of those days where things got away from Ireland. And that was, really, do you know what away. happened with the warm up? Yeah. No, go that on. Was the day- Oh, so that was that's actually a good story. We uh, we we stayed in Penny Hill Park Hotel. So I think Martin John, who was the co- was it Martin Johnson? Um, maybe it was I think that, it was Brian Ashton's last year. Ashton, actually, Ashton, maybe it was Ashton. Sorry, he um, he moved them out of Penny Hill Park Hotel. I thought it was too kind of swanky. Um, we ended up move like going over there, going. We'll take the best that's available. Have the training facilities. Da da da. It's miles away from the stadium, and the English police don't move the cars. So we literally arrived down kind of close-ish to the stadium. We could see Twickenham probably about five or 600 metres in the distance. We're all still on the bus. The cops don't move any of the, any of the, any of the, the traffic. And it's literally logjam, like no moving. So we literally had what should have been an hour trip in. It ended up taking two hours. So we were all obviously hydrating before, before like, like mad going into an international. So we all had to take a, take a leak into bottles on the, like as the fans were walking by us into the stadium. So we're like pulling over the curtains, like having taken a leak into the bottles. We ended up having a 20 minute warm up. Like it was a miracle how we didn't have like a load of pull muscles and all that kind of stuff after 10 minutes. So it was like a real like um, <laughs> comedy of errors. I felt unbelievably bad for for uh, Eddie O'Sullivan actually. Because well, I started that game pretty well, if memory serves. I think no, no, Murphy they did. They tried. did start it well. No, but, no, it was just a disaster. It was a it was a complete mess. With like literally, we arrived out. We had a quick stretch. 
threw a ball around. That was it. Back, like literally into the change room, back out. And we're, we're not going to make this an excuse. And in fairness, that you don't know, or maybe just maybe just it, it doesn't stick out in your mind. But we didn't really make a big deal about it. But it was it was absolutely crazy. Two hours on the bus before the game. Um, yeah. And, um, Remember yeah, that bus driver for wrong turn that time when Joe Schmidt. Once, once it started going wrong, it. it went really, really wrong. When that happens, I hadn't heard that story. That's a great story. Um, but what, no, it makes it makes the uh, Murrayfield bus gate a couple of years ago. But that pales in significance. <laughs> like, you know, we heard all about that. Um, but like when that happens, when it gets away from you there, like we would you let would it got to you the crowd? Like would you would, would it, was that a factor or is it just those big guys in white jerseys who were getting the run on you? Like does it all come together? Kind of like can you maybe explain that experience to us? Because that's obviously something that it's, you know, an, it's only... an awful, awful experience in an international rugby match when it's going wrong. The, the only time I've really felt it myself, um, I think you feel it against New Zealand. New Zealand are the only team that really make you feel like you're like Jesus, like. I feel like I'm always in a two-on-one. I feel like I'm always like, like every tackle I have to make is a, has to be a, a brilliant tackle. Like, a, like, or, or they're, they're, they're going to split us. Um, it fe- felt like, like nonstop pressure. Um, you fe- I felt like I was, you know, you feel like you're not fit enough actually, because they they were just on a different level, the, the quality of athletes. Um, that was probably one of those days where it just wasn't going right for us. I actually think I, I, I actually did okay because I ended up getting in the team after that. That was a kind of a performance where I think I came off the bench, if memory serves, yeah, and did yeah. quite well, um, even though things were going wrong. But you could feel it, it's a kind of a weird scenario. In, in international rugby, you're very much left on your own, particularly in the wider channels. Um, you see it. That's why I always talk about defense for younger players. It's really, really difficult because you're marking guys who are like unbelievable athletes, but you're marking them in bigger space. So it's really stresses your technique and your thinking. And that was one of those games where I really felt it. I remember they ran in a try. I think Cipriani ran in a try. And I just got to my guy. I almost missed the tackle. But I think I think he might have burnt Rob Carney on the outside. Like every tackle just felt like it was really stressed. Like it was, sorry, I, I, I mentioned the name because it wasn't really I, I, like if I was in his position, I probably wouldn't have made it either. It was just it felt like you were marking guys who were brilliant athletes with great pace in massive, massive amounts of space. It just felt like the walls are kind of closing. It, was, it felt inevitable that they were going to score because the pressure was just constant, you know, one tiny mistake. And it just seemed to be, um, you know, completely compounded by, by like you just, you, you can't fix it. You can never correct the errors at the, at the high level. And that's why it's fu- funny, like talking about people like who are good, you know, at, you know, playing for Leinster and Interpros. There's a huge step up in international. Honestly, like it's any mistake you make, um, you know, and when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong quick, like really quick. There's no, no one's going to save you in an international rugby match. It's very rare you get saved if you make a mistake. Um, and you have to be in there to, to feel it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was the experience that day. Uh, had a few of them. New Zealand are that team that, 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 that you feel that way all the time from, from zero to 80. Or they were when some of the teams that I played against, anyway. Yeah, and interestingly, it's like the last three Twickenham appearances for Ireland, which have all been defeats. It's all been the first half as well, when a lot of the damage has been chipped. I think the games, all three of them, have basically been over at halftime. Uh, so obviously, the first half and managing that atmosphere will be massive uh, this weekend. We might do the predictions in just a minute, Rod. But first, you mentioned the the women's rugby report that was released last week. Obviously, there was a lot of interest in the, what the recommendations might be. I know originally people were hoping to see the full report. That was maybe. Uh, discussed that will be published. But where did that shit, Where did that go? <laughs> legal reasons, apparently. You know, the, you, no one obviously knows what the legal reasons are. Uh, it's a great thing to just be able to say, like. Uh, 
but it's it, it's out and about now. The recommendations, anyway, Rod. Like, what did you make of it? After all, I suppose the build up and, and the discussion about you know what the direction of the of the sport. Now that you've maybe seen some of the recommendations, and I don't know if you've heard anything more that was in there, but you know, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I got wind on the you know I was off. I started hearing about this report that like apparently it was going to be if it came out in public because of the legal issues, and I think um largely defamation you know defamation and things like that 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 they would have had to run the risk of printing they would have had to redact half of it or a lot of it because it's basically you know it's like us doing a review after the the thing and, and me giving out about luke and, and then them publishing that in, in in the paper you know it's it's just that they felt that they couldn't run that risk they'd be you know ruining people's reputations because it's basically some player is saying something about this coach and and you know you just can't they felt they couldn't put that in the public domain and i have a certain sympathy for that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more, you know, I, I would like more transparency from the RFU across the board. I'd like to know more about the World Cup reviews than what we get in the men's game. I mean, the, the recommendations, at least we ha- now have a blueprint of what they want or what they're supposed to put in place over the next number of years. Um, you know, I think that there's a massive amount of disappointment in the sevens game that Anthony Eddie has left. Uh, you know, he obviously was doing a very good job on that side of the house, but it hadn't been doing such a good job on the women's side of the house. You know, I wonder could they have just split the role and let, left him in charge of the sevens program and and just put someone in place. There's well, just to come in quickly and Anthony Eddie, just because I, I saw a few of the players, you know, put up Instagram, you know, stories of Bevan Parsons is one of them, obviously the big star of the team, and a few of the other players who played fifteens and sevens I saw did the same. So as you mentioned to your point, even though this was he became quite unpopular after that interview he gave, there was a cohort of players who maybe worked with him more closely in the seven side who, who certainly seemed to to be yeah, wishing him well on his way out. And he got a lot of bad press, but from what I hear, he he tried to change a lot of the systems beneath, but got a lot of resistance at committee level from the IRFU. And ultimately, like, there's not a lot in the in the recommendations about the committee level, and it's very boring, and people will switch off because it's 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 union politics. But basically, there's too much influence from these volunteer committees at the top end of the women's game. Like the RFU, in the last 10, 15 years, have basically taken that power away from them on the men's side of the house. They've given it to David Nusifora for better or worse. But there's a professional side of the house that runs the elite men's game. On the women's side of the house, there's a lot of volunteers who are, you know, giving up their time and all of that. But they're many of them come from clubs that don't have senior AIL teams. Some of them don't have the expertise in the women's game that they probably should have to hold the position that they're in. Um, like they need to make the women's side, they need to put resources into the women's side to make the structures elite from the club level up so that Greg McWilliams is ultimately picking from a, a broader base of players. And then because they have been actually well treated as, as international players, I think they, they've gotten all the supports that they need in that regard. But the game needs to be taken seriously for, at every level. And I think putting a women's rugby director in place whose fo- sole focus is just on that side of the house is a hugely positive step. Like the recommendations, they're, they're there. Like it's, they're, they're pretty basic, but they're, they're all good. You know, they're all good things, but you would kind of wonder why the Ireland team didn't have a lot of this stuff in place before. They want to draw a line and understand that like we kind of have to as well. You know, what's done is done. They've had the review. The players welcomed it. It's now time for the RFU to deliver on all of this. It does sound like Kevin Potts did a quite good job on this. He got quite, you know, you, you hear good things about the way he took it seriously. You know, we want to be talking about women's rugby, about what's happening on the pitch and whether, you know, like we want to, we don't want to be everything to fall back on stuff that's happening behind the scenes. If Ireland lose to Wales and, and the women's team, it should be about what the players did on the pitch and not all this stuff behind the scenes. But the stuff behind the scenes has been legitimate in the last couple of years. Now the way has been cleared, you would think, for them to go and 
perform to their best. And then we can assess their performances on podcasts and not just be talking about politics and, and all that. But the RFU has to stop committing own goals in this topic. Like They have to stop making mistakes. They've got to take this seriously, put the resources in. You know, extra money is good. You know, the players have said they don't want to go pro. It's not, it's not what they're after. They just want to be taken seriously. Um, but look, it's a step in the right direction, but the proof will ultimately be in the implementation of, of, those, of those review findings. Yeah, Luke, and as Rudd said, like hopefully now that the review or the recommendations have been published, they can be actioned and then we can move on and we don't have to be kind of talking about crisis and reviews and, and all these things. And we can just be, as Rudd said, be assessing their performances. Yeah, big time. And look, I think, look, as much as the money is like a, an extra, is an extra million quid annually like that, that's that's a big commitment, you know, I think. Um, and, um, you know, that, I think that's very positive as, as, as look, there's a t- there can be a tokenism to those things, but I don't think I don't think so. I think given the the last couple of years have been pretty tough financially for everyone in sports, a million euros a year is is big to commit to it, and I think that speaks to how seriously they are taking this. A um, lot of recommendations to deliver on. I thought, um, you know, was there was there high twenty? Uh, there was in the high twenties, thirties or so. Maybe was there maybe 30, thirty yeah. recommendations? Yeah, there was a lot like so. I think uh, it's like when you have thirty New Year's resolutions and you're like, "Will I be able yeah, to get I all I, I, Yeah, look, but the only thing is though, I think they, they there's lots of positive things in, in in that, and I think um you know the they have the players on board now. Look, the, the the funny thing, I mean, there was a lot of talk about like I did think at the time it would have been crazy to completely publish the full report. Anyway, I felt like that was a real like let's appease the crowd here. We're like our backs are against the wall. And um, we'll deal with this when it's all calmed down. That because like you could ne- you're right, Rudd. You can never print something like that um and, and just put it out in its raw format. You know, you just couldn't do that. Um so they got a bit of heat for that, you know, probably because they ha- they said what they had to say at the start to calm things down. But I think at the end of the day, the 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 women's game has, has got the result that it wanted. It's got the women back on board, which is the most important thing. And everyone's going to be hopefully moving in the right direction. And they've got the upper echelons of the union, as you said taking it seriously like this is crazy that it wasn't being uh, taken seriously really um but i think it's uh, very very positive and i'm looking forward to getting behind them now um and, and hopefully they've, they've they've you know they need a couple of wins now they, they need to turn things around on the pitch as well they've got the support off it now um you know let's just hope that they, over the next couple of years we see real progress yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Greg McWilliams gets on his first Six Nations campaign, I think, kicking off in April. Okay, we might just finish up then with predictions ahead of the weekend. Now, I know, Rod, I, ideally, I suppose you want a few more days before you're committing your prediction into Saturday's paper, but your preliminary prediction, not, yeah, feel free to change it if you want to by Saturday, but what, what's your kind of gut telling you at the moment? Yeah, I think on the, the week of the France game, I came on the podcast and said, Ireland, we're going to win, and by the by the Thursday, I was like, God, why did I say it? Why did I put myself on the record? Because I wanted to change <laughs> well, Johnny Sexton was ruled out, I think. That was probably was, one of the reasons. Yeah, I was on off the ball, though, and I kind of have to like you know there's definitely at least one person who's listening to both of these things so i have to kind of stay consistent um i'm a little bit worried i mean it probably came across in my kind of comments earlier um ireland can win there's no reason why they can't they're a really good team you know i think there is definitely a question mark over their form because the last two performances haven't gone to plan but when it comes together for them they're more than capable of beating this england team but they're away from home um in a very difficult venue scratching around for form a little bit and missing two very important players out of their front row um which weakens their bench i don't think it necessarily weakens the starting team and like i like i like david coin but it's been a while since he's come off the bench in a big game and affected an in international rugby because he hasn't been been there um you know it just 
you're going back, you're going deeper into your depth chart. And, and once you start doing that with Ireland, I know we've got four very good provinces here, but like it's still a little bit thinner than it is in other countries. Porter's a massive loss. Um, I think he's one of the best players in the world at the moment. He's one of the most effective players in the world. And Keane Heady, I just don't think, is at that level anymore. He's well, he, 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 he maybe is well able to come out and do, do a really good job and over the course of 50 minutes and then Kilcoyne brings it home. But if things go, as we touched on, if things go against you in Twickenham, that's when um, it can get away from you. I have a little bit of fear about this week. I'm going to go England at, at, at this remove. Um, but saying that, there's, a, there's like Ireland have a really good chance if, if, things, if they get things right. And what a, like, it just it's special to win in England. Like it's really, really special. Every time you win over there, it's to be cherished. And this team has the capabilities to do it. They just have to get everything right. And that starts with we haven't even touched on it. That starts with selection. Hmm. Luke. Uh, you turned me a little bit actually, because when I was thinking about the teams, I actually think, yeah, may- maybe they can. Um, I say Ireland in a tight one, maybe. Less than five points, I, I say, Ireland for a win. I think they, uh, you know, Sexton plays. Uh, I think they are missing. They, they are missing definitely some crucial bodies, and they might that might impact in the last twenty minutes. I think is what you were probably alluding to, uh, you know, Rory. But I think, um, I think that game plan that we delivered on November. I think they they start delivering that. I think a few people play themselves, um, you know, into a bit of form. You know, hopefully in the last weekend going for going for a championship in England, maybe doing us a favour in Paris. So I think we teed up with a win this week in Twickenham uh, in saying that a very difficult place to go to. So, um, yeah, we, the, the big test now for them is whether they can believe in that game plan over in Twickenham. It, that, it is the future for the team. It suits them. But got to have a lot of belief to deliver on it over there. I know it's considered to be an absolute cracker this weekend. Looking forward who, who to it. You play, who, hang on. Who, you, you can't get away with this now. I want your, I want your, I want to, uh, yeah, prediction to your name as well here now. <laughs> uh, yeah, even though I do think that the team sheets on paper, you know, I think the Ireland team, as Eddie Jones said, is more cohesive and has played together a lot more. I just, there's just something I'm not, I just don't like about it. I have a bad feeling in my stomach. I, I don't know yet if I trust this team to go to Twickenham Paris and, and get a win. I, I'm a little the, worried about it. I all the analytical people on Twitter are going to be going mad about us all having good feelings and going with our guts. Like this is this is all it's all emotion. Can I just? I know you're trying to wrap up, Will. Luke, who, what's your backline? Um, it's Gibson Park. It's Sexton. Um, this is actually really. Um, I, th- I think it's Aki. If he is he fit? Yeah, yeah, he is fit. Yeah, I think it's Aki, and it's uh, Ringrose back. Yeah, yeah, he just got a knock. Was it? So. Um, yeah, Hume was good. Oh, look, yeah, no, I think, yeah, Aki and Ringrose, and I think it's uh, low. It is, um, what well, I'm having real trouble on that. I think Mac Hansen's a massive risk. I think Conway, I'm gonna say, yeah, I say Conway, and then I say Keenan, yeah, interesting. Sorry, yeah, who, who are you thinking? Any, any, any changes? I think, you I, I think he might go Hansen over Conway, but it, that's, that's a it's so tight, but I. Yeah, I, I think you're right on Aki over Henshaw. I think Henshaw just doesn't have enough being under his belt. He looked a bit uh, off, didn't he? he did, like, yeah, he's been I think he's, for so he's, long. And but... he's probably number 23. Like he's just he's, he's had a really disrupted season. Um, and I just th- yeah, I think he's going to give the nod. And like my the other big talking point. Sorry, Will, we're hijacking this. Um, <laughs> the uh, I think like it's either will he go Burn at six? Does he put Henderson in the second round? But Burn at six to counter Courtney Laws. Like that's a really interesting one. You know, then you can maybe put Gavin Coombs on the I bench along the bench. But no, but Doris at eight. Doris at eight. You're bench. thinking Doris at eight, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting as well. Like we'll find out on Thursday. But I think there's a couple of big ones, and I think 
you know, England are one of those teams that you kind of you kind of kind of got to match up against. You know, I think that's that's that, like there's a couple of you know, Paris has asked us a couple of questions about this Ireland team, and I wonder if if selection is the answer to some of them. So I was just curious to know what you thought about that Hanson Conway one in particular. That's tight, I think. Uh, you know, you, we could talk selection and England all night. We could even go into the New Zealand series some more if we were left uh, loose. <laughs> but for now, Luke Rudd, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Sir. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast, looking back on all the action in Twickenham. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.